It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected and picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time to talk a little more Makai Becton because the big man went number 11 overall to the New York Jets. So had to bring back a guy who was a great guest before the draft and really helped us get to know Makai Becton, Mr. Cameron Teague Robinson, writer for the Courier-Journal in Louisville. Cameron, I hear that it's a little bit nicer out today than it was when the draft was going on, so you're out for a walk right now getting some fresh air. Thanks for joining me while you enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, not a problem, not a problem. Appreciate you having me on. So, Cameron, I got to ask you first and foremost, how disappointed are you that Makai ended up going to the Jets instead of the Browns at number 10? You know, I was disappointed. I I think what when I realized it was going to happen um, – when the Giants took Andrew Thomas, I, I think I was, I was shocked because I thought if they were going to go tackle, they would take um, Wills. Um, but when they didn't, and then when the Panthers took Isaiah, um, Isaiah Simmons, I said, oh, okay, the Browns are going to take Wills. I kind of had a feeling the Browns would take Wills at that point because I thought he was, he was probably one or two in terms of the best tackles of the draft. Um, and then once, once the Browns took Wills, I figured the Jets would take Bakai. So I, I'm not too upset, but um, because Wills was my number two tackle, but I, I, I am, I, I would have loved to see Makai in Cleveland. We talked a couple of weeks before the draft, but as the draft got closer, did you get a better sense of where Makai was going to go? Was there a lot of interest from what you could tell from the Jets as this thing got closer? Yeah, I thought it was Cleveland or New York. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought the Jet, the Giants were going to take Wills um, if they didn't take Isaiah Simmons. Um, so when they took Andrew Thomas, I was like, it's, I thought, thought it was a foregone conclusion unless someone else came out of nowhere to take a tackle there. Um, unless like the Cardinals took one or even the Panthers could have taken one or even the Chargers could have taken one. So, um, once that kind of passed, I, I really thought it was going to be Cleveland and New York going in. Um, so that's kind of how I had it. My, really my story pre-written. I had it pre-written for Cleveland. Um, but once he, once he fell there, I figured that's where it was. I know he had a talk with Joe Douglas. I think maybe the day before the draft, a couple days before the draft. Um, so, yeah, I figured it was Cleveland and New York at that point. You had the opportunity to talk to Makai Becton after the draft. What did he tell you about being selected by the New York Jets? Because I know that New York is a long way away from Louisville, and it's not super far away from Virginia, but it's certainly a very different culture. Is he excited to come play for the Jets? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I he, he was ecstatic. I think he was a little bit upset. He got passed over by a few teams um, because I think he, I think he wanted to go in the top ten. But um, I think, I think if he would have gone in the top ten, he would have been Louisville's highest drafted pick. 
ever. Um, so I think he wanted that, but he was really excited to be in New York. I know he has a really good connection with Joe Douglas and Douglas being from Richmond, Mackay being from Richmond. I think they connected there. So I, I think he's really excited. I think more than anything, um, he's happy that a team trusts him enough to pick him there. Um, and I think he wants to go show his worth on the football field. Tell me a little bit more about that connection to Joe Douglas. Anything that you picked up on in terms of that or anything that he developed with Adam Gase in the lead up to the draft? Yeah, I think I think he just he just felt wanted. I think he knew they had genuine interest in him. Um, and I think he liked just the fact that when Joe Douglas talked about being home, they they, they talked about the same streets. You know, they, they, like they, <laughs> they were familiar with where each other spent a lot of their time growing up. And I think you can't you can't understand how important that is for a prospect just to go into a, a franchise knowing that so the, somebody in a higher office came from where you came from and kind of understands the background of where you grew up. Um, I, th- I think that probably feels good for any prospect or any, any draftee. Scale of 1 to 10, how excited were his parents? Oh, man, probably a 20. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think anybody who saw who watched the draft saw how emotional they got. I mean, they are a really close-knit group. Um, his, his mom and dad are ecstatic. They've been kind of going on this journey with Makai for a long, long time. I, I, I'd say they are off the scale for sure. I want to circle back to something you said before, Cameron, about how Makai was a little disappointed that he didn't go in the top 10 and that he was passed over by a couple of teams that took tackles. The last time that we spoke, you told me that he's somebody that loves to prove people wrong and is always looking to challenge himself. Do you think that that's something he's going to use to motivate himself? He's going to want to punish those teams that passed on him? Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. I don't think he'll have like a, a specific like grudge against those teams. I just think he'll want to come out here and show that he was the best tackle in the draft and should have been a top five, top ten pick. I think that's. I think anytime you can use anything extra for somebody who's motivated and has a chip on their shoulder, it just kind of helps fuel the fire a little bit more. So I think he'll use that, but I don't think he'll have like a grudge on the Giants or the Browns. I just think he wants to come out and prove that hey, I, I was the best tackle in this draft. What was the mood like at Louisville after the pick? Did you get the opportunity to talk to any of his teammates and coaches? And what did the general fan base feel when Makai went off the board at number 11? I have to imagine that there was a huge sense of elation all the way around, right? Right, yeah. So Louisville is one of the weirdest places in the world. And I say that in the sense of, like, it's the only place I've ever been to where the the fan favor was a lineman. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I think last year the people loved Makai more than they loved anybody else on the team. I mean, you saw his nickname is Big Ticket, and you saw Big Ticket T-shirts at every tailgate, or people had made Big Ticket cookies or Big Ticket like bobbleheads. Like they loved Makai, and I've never, I've never been to a place like that or seen a place like that. So um, they are pretty excited, very, very excited. I texted with Dwayne Lefford that night just to kind of get a sense of what what the night was like, what it was like calling Makai and things of that nature, and I. I've never seen he, – he was very, very excited too. I, I, I can – he said it was a very emotional phone call he had with Makai when they got drafted, and uh, I think the whole team is excited for Makai. Let's talk about the red flags here because you would know better than most what he has in his past because you covered him the whole time he was at Louisville. So we know that he got flagged for something at the Combine. We don't know exactly what it is, 
but it sounds like it may have been marijuana because of the way he spoke about it as a youthful mistake and something that won't happen again. Tell me a little bit about his background here, the three years that he was at Louisville in terms of if there were any mistakes made there because the last time we talked, I didn't get the impression that there were any concerns character-wise, so this sort of caught me off guard when I heard about it. I've never, I was shocked when I saw the test or when I heard, when I heard the report of the test as well. Um, cause I've never heard of anything about, like that with, with Makai. Um, he's never failed a drug test here. He's never really had problems like that. I mean, if you know him, he's a homebody. He doesn't really go out. He does. He's not really at the clubs much. He's kind of has a really tight knit circle that he hangs out with and just kind of chills out with them. Um, so I've never actually heard that. I mean, I was surprised when, when I saw that and he told me the same thing he told um, the New York media says a one-time thing, um, and he and it's just it's a mistake that he won't make again. I was pretty surprised when I heard it, just like just like so so many others were. And as somebody who knows Mackay Becton and has spoken to him many many times and understands his character, you believe him? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And his, his family is really, I mean, they they I'm not going to say they like discipline him or keep him in line, but they they are they have a good head on their shoulders. They have that whole family, so I I think they they know what they need to do. Um, in terms of of staying out of trouble and things of that nature, I, I think he'll be in that stage one for his sixty days, get in, get out, and I don't I don't see that being a problem because um, I've never heard it of being a problem for him in his career. Were you able to talk to anybody on the coaching staff or anybody from his family about this and get a sense of what happened here and, like you said, how they plan to try and make sure that this doesn't happen again? Because, like you said, he comes from a background where his parents are very involved and this is the kind of thing that you would think that they would drill into his head to make sure, hey, listen, Makai, you do this again and there's going to be some real serious ramifications. You better knock it off. Did you get that sense from anybody that you spoke to? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Makai's a guy who really needs someone to tell him that. Now, I'm sure his parents did, and his agent did, and Duke, and Duke, his trainer did. But I'm not sure anyone needs to tell Makai that because I think he knows what's at stake here. Um, but I talked. We talked to Dwayne Lefford. I want to say probably a couple days before the draft, um, and he just kind of backed Makai, saying that it, he 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 is, he doesn't remember it ever being a problem, um, and that he said he's talked to. I mean. Dwayne Leffert and Makai are very, very close. They got very close over the course of this last year, um, and he loved them. Um, he brings them around his kids all the time, um, and just the, that report doesn't change that. It's basically what Leffert said. Like, it doesn't change his, his outlook on him or what he knows of Makai. Let's talk about the other thing that a lot of people are worried about, his weight. He is called the big ticket for a reason, Cameron, a very, very large yeah. man at 1.390 pounds. According to Makai, he's down to 363 and he plans to play somewhere in the 350 to 355 range. How worried should Jets fans be about his weight? Do you think that he's going to have any problems keeping it under control? No, not really, because Makai, Makai is one of the hardest working people, I think, on that team last year. Uh, he just I, I just think he works too hard and he wants to be too good to let that go. I think people hear that he was up around 390 coming in beginning of last year, probably like around December when the coaching staff came in. And I think you kind of had to put that into context in the sense of like Louisville just went 2-10. and 10. I mean, it was a terrible co- culture and atmosphere to be around. They were losing. The coaching staff had just got fired. There wasn't a lot of motivation going around. Like people – so, like, there was, there was time for people to get out of shape and do whatever they want to do. Um, but I, I, I don't see that being a problem, Makai, going forward. 
Um, I think he, once you kind of see, get back into that shape, it's hard to get back um, out of it for him. I think he just loves to work out too much. I think, I mean, he was working out before the draft. He worked out the day after the draft. I, I think it's just kind of who he is. I mean, he'll, he'll work. He'll, he'll stay in shape, I think. And you think that having a guy like Duke training him is helping him and oh, building a work ethic, right? Yeah, oh, it's big. I, I, I think Makai's already had the work ethic, but when you add a guy like Duke, who has the pedigree that he has? Oh, it just it just adds to it. I mean, Duke is um, Duke, Duke is nationally known for a reason. Um, and Makai, I think Makai loves Duke. He loves working out with him. Um, and I think the guys he works out with with Duke, I think that just helps because they push each other as well. And you have no doubt that at the next level, once he's in the NFL, now that he got paid, he's not going to slack off and go back up to about 390 or something like that. You have every bit of confidence that he's going to continue this workout routine and keep his weight under control? Yeah, yeah. It's just, that's the Makai I know. Um, his work ethic is, I mean, it, from the time that I've known him, was always high. Um, he always wanted to be the best out there. Um, and I think when you see what he did, when he sees what he did last year, I mean, what he can do potential-wise, I, I, I think he'll keep that up because, like I said, he genuinely wants to be great on the football field. Cameron, he's obviously a big man and a big personality, which is perfect for New York because that's exactly what we like here. So let's talk about how he's going to fit in. The last time you were on, I asked you about how you thought he would do under the bright lights and in the big city, and you said you thought he'd be fine but do you think that he's going to take to this culture right away, that he's going to jump right into it? Because there are some people that do. Jamal Adams, for instance, loves it. He loves to talk, and he loves the adulation, and he loves the spotlight. Some people are a little more reserved. Quinnen Williams is somebody that he's happy to talk, and yeah. he became a bit of a sensation in training camp because of some of the things that he said, and he sort of became known as an overgrown child in a lot of ways. But it seems like Makai is more like Jamal Adams, maybe not – the ferocious barking, but somebody who's going to come in here right yeah. away and not shy away from anything. Is that about right? Yeah, I do. I Makai's mean, not a huge talker. Um, he just, he's never really been that. I mean, I remember my first one-on-one interview with him. It was, he, he, just, he doesn't talk a ton. Um, I said, in love, but once he builds trust with you, he starts to talk to you a little bit more and starts to open up. Um, I don't see Makai as somebody who's going to come out and make a bunch of headlines because of something stupid he said or because of some kind of, off the wall comment, but I, when he's on the football field, it's a little bit different. It's kind of almost a different persona. He is he talks a little bit. He lo- he loves the physicality of it. Um, but I think he'll fit. He'll fit right in because he's just I don't know. He's just a chill person. I don't think he's coming in trying to be um, make a bunch of noise with kind of the words he says. I think he just wants to play football. Um, and I, I think any pro- any franchise wants that. And you think that regardless of where he plays, he's going to be fine, right? Because I know that he's going to slot in at left tackle, you would assume. But we know that he's played right tackle in the past, too. So if for some reason he needed to play one or the other, if there was an injury or something like that, no problem, right? Yeah, I think think for anybody, there's a little bit of a adjustment period. But I think a tackle is a tackle. Um, And you can slot them wherever. Um, And Dwayne Lefford has always emphasized to them last year that you need to be able to play both sides. Um, and interior guys need to be able to play a lot of different positions as well. So I, I don't. I think he knows. Um, he, his his IQ is a lot higher than I think people give him credit for. Um, I think if they needed him to go to right tackle for a season or a couple, or a couple drives, I think he could do it pretty pretty easily. And you don't think that the pressure is going to get to him? You think he'll come right out of the gate and be a good starter? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think he'll be fine. I mean, he was he his freshman year, he was protecting Lamar Jackson, who won the Heisman. I mean, I, <laughs> it's it's hard to beat that that type of pressure when you have a a future NFL guy behind you that you have to protect. Um, so no, I don't I don't think he'll be too worried about the pressure. I just think he just focuses on what he has to do every day and kind of goes out there and does it to the best of his ability. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Cameron, ultimately, how surprised are you that this is what happened considering what his stock was at the beginning of the season? Because I think that there were some people who were talking about him a little bit. And then even as the season wrapped up, you heard some talk about him potentially being a mid-second round pick. In fact, originally... I had been sent some of his tape and told to check him out, and I did, and I came away completely blown away. I thought this guy could be an incredible bargain for the Jets in the second round. I thought maybe they get Wills, Werfs, or Thomas at number 11, double dip at number 48, and get Becton, and now you're set at tackle for the next decade. But instead, his stock shot through the roof. We know that famously everybody started to realize it, at the Senior Bowl when Daniel Jeremiah put out his first mock draft and he had Makai at number four overall to the Giants, that's when people realized that the league was looking at this guy in the same vein as Wills, Werfs, and Thomas. How surprised are you yeah. that that is ultimately how this played out? Yeah, I'm pre- I was pretty surprised. I mean, I thought coming into the season, I didn't think he was a second-round talent. I thought he was a first-round talent, but I thought it was maybe the end of the first round, maybe. 
Um, I thought maybe you saw him get picked maybe in the 20 range, 30 range. Um, but I, I'm not surprised that he shot up once the season started because he, he just had the tools. I mean, you see, you saw him play a few games last year and just how much Dwayne Ledford had really kind of changed his body and changed that helped him fix some of his technique. I mean, you, you could see it on like just in a few games that like, man, this kid was absolutely dominant. Um, and it doesn't surprise me. Daniel Jeremiah was ahead of the curve. I believe Jeremiah was at, is like has some kind of app state connection, which is obviously coach Ledford and Scott Satterfield and all of them as well. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that he kind of, he, he knew a little bit more on Makai than some people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was surprised it shot up this this high, um, but not that um, it, it eventually happened once the season started. Because beginning of the season, I thought end of the first round, kind of once he got to like the Kentucky game right before the bowl game, I had a good feeling that he, he could be an early first round pick. Cameron, tell me a little bit more about what you just alluded to with Ledford and with the strength and conditioning staff, because Obviously, there were huge strides made, and we talked about this the last time you were on, from 2018 to 2019, Ledford a big part of that, the strength and conditioning coach is a big part of that, you just talked about how he worked on the technique with Ledford, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Mike Seriano, Louisville strength coach, done amazing things with this program, um, considering where they were when he got here and where they are now. Um, Makai obviously is a big part of that. I think he was around 390 when Sirianni got here, um, and I think mid to late December, or early January, um, and they just really right away just started putting Makai through a ton of workouts. They did, they knew he needed to cut weight. Uh, um, Ledford worked with him a lot with his hands and his technique to make sure that he wasn't missing spots um, when he was walking, um, and then a lot of it was also ingraining in Makai that like, hey, you're already like huge. You're bigger than most of these people. Um, you're more physical, but you could finish better. Uh, I think he, he told him he needed to be at the second level. He needed to be throwing guys on the sideline um, just to, to be that dominant force. Um, and that's really the whole attitude of that offensive line room is just be dominant at all times. Um, and you saw a lot from all those guys and even more from Makai. And I think that was the biggest thing. Once they, once they were able to get him on a uh, nutritionist diet and get him, get him in shape, um, it, the sky was the limit for him because he just he embraced that technique change and the mindset change and just worked at it relentlessly for 12 months and it obviously pretty, paid off pretty well. We know that Makai's not exactly where he needs to be technique wise. There's still more work to be done. You've talked to Dwayne Ledford a lot. How much work does Ledford seem to think needs to be done still to get Makai Becton to where he needs to be from a technique standpoint? Uh, I don't think a lot. I think it's just small tweaks here and there, some focus here and there. Um, I, I think what you get for a lot of guys that big is they rely on their power more than their hand. Um, and that's what I mean by focus. I think I, Makai is not like, a, like he takes plays off, but I think you need to make sure that guys that big don't take plays where they just rely on throwing people to the ground, where they actually do rely on their footwork and their hands and making sure they're in the right position. Because at that point, your power is just – over, it just dominates anybody if you're in the right position and your feet are in your hands are where you are. Um, so I think that that's probably a big part of it. But I don't I don't think Ledford thinks there's a lot that needs to be fixed with the guy. Um, I mean, if you ask him, he he thinks he's a he's a starter for a long time um, right now. So I think whatever he fixes, I think just adds to kind of the potential that he has. 
I know that he's going to have his own coaches, both privately and with the team when he gets to the NFL, but it seems like he's really developed a heck of a bond with Dwayne Ledford. Could you see a situation where they stay in contact and Ledford continues to offer him tips and sort of be a consultant of sorts from far away? Yeah, there's no no doubt about that. I mean, Ledford's in the same way with Gary Bradbury, who was was the first-round pick in the Minnesota Vikings last year, and he coached him at NC State. I mean, Ledford is one of those coaches who, I mean, they, they off the line does dinner every Thursday at Leopard's house with his wife and his two kids. That's it's their their relationship isn't just football. I mean, they they talk on a daily basis about life, about um, what Makai wants to do after football, about advice on how to balance football and a family. Um, so they'll talk. I mean, multiple times a week, if not every day that next season. I have no doubt about that. And if Makai needs advice on what he needs to do, I think Leopard will very very openly give him any advice he has. Um, they have that type of bond where they can really talk about anything. We know that Makai ended up being the third tackle off the board. The fourth was Tristan Wirfs, but ahead of him were Andrew Thomas at number four to the Giants and at number 10, Jedrick Wills to your Browns, Cameron. We talked about what Makai thinks of going as the third tackle, but I want to know what you think. Do you think that he should have been the first tackle off of the board? And ultimately, how do you think this plays out? Do you think he's going to be the best of the group? Uh, I think he should have been the second tackle. I, I was shocked that the Brown, the Giants took Andrew Thomas. I, I, I always thought they were going to take Wills. I thought Wills is the most game-ready tackle where you could slot him in right now at left tackle or right tackle, and he could be a starter right in day one. Um, I think he would be the best of the starters day one. Um, so I, I always thought Makai was going to be the second tackle off the board. I give Wills an edge, not just because he went to my Browns, but just because I think he's slightly more day one ready. I think Makai has the most potential of any tackle in the draft, and I think that's why people love him so much. Um, because of his athletic ability, he's still very young. He just turned 21 a couple of days ago. Um, and he's just he's, his size, his power, it just – I mean, if he puts it all together, the sky's the limit. I think he could end up being the best tackle in this class for sure. So as far as Makai Becton, the player and the person, you think that Jets fans are going to look back on this years from now and have a huge smile on their face based on what Joe Douglas did on draft night, grabbing Makai Becton to be the cornerstone, or at least that's the hope, at left tackle? Oh, yeah, I think so. I do. I do. I think, I think Bulba fans love him for a reason because um, he, he has that kind of attitude, that mindset that I think a lot of fans get behind. He's a great guy. Um, and I think he's just – when you see him play, not many, t- not many times you look at it off at the lineman's highlight tape. I think Makai's highlight tape has been playing, played a ton. Um, and it makes, it makes fans almost ooh and ah in the stands. I, I think people will, will like having him there in New York. There's a quote from an area scout who said before the draft, and I believe this was in The Athletic, that one of the reasons that he wasn't as high on Becton as some of the other tackles is that – Becton likes to cook and eat more than he likes to play football, which was a really weird thing to say for me. And I hope that that guy doesn't work for the Jets. I assume he doesn't because I can't imagine that Joe Douglas would have somebody on his staff that would think that way, especially when Douglas went out and picked him at number 11. What do you know about his culinary skills? Is this true? Does he like to cook? I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't asked him about that. Now, I know his mom cooks, but she, she is, she's got, she can really cook in the kitchen. I think she has her own catering company. Um, and I know Makai eats a good amount, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know that he, he can cook. I imagine his mom has taught him how to cook and he can, he can cook it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a really good cook in the kitchen. I'll say that. 
One question I would love to ask Makai is what he thinks about pizza because you know, Cameron, he's coming here to New York and pizza's kind of our thing. So I know he's a big man and yeah, he likes right. to eat, but if he's a pizza guy, he's going to fit in just fine here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Very true. Cameron Teague Robinson covering Louisville football for the Courier Journal. Thank you so much for coming back on. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope that we have plenty more excuses to talk over the upcoming months and years, perhaps some more Louisville prospects. And then, of course, I'm sure we'll revisit Makai Becton from time to time as well. For those that are unfamiliar with your work, want to read everything that you've done on Makai Becton and get a better feel for him, or just want to check out the other stuff that you've written, where can they get a hold of your work and where can they find you on social media? Yeah, yeah. You can read all the work I do on CourierJournal.com. Um, which is kind of our newspaper's website. Um, and then on Twitter at CJ underscore Teague. Um, that, that is, that's where you can find me tweeting all my, all my fun Brown tapes um, and all my mobile football stuff. Go ahead and follow Cameron on Twitter at CJ underscore Teague. Read his work over at the Courier Journal. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. So if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.